so I don't know if you've heard us say how we're going to be doing Sunday school, but we're going to be learning something called catechism. How many have ever actually heard the word catechism before? How many of the context that you've heard catechism in has been like a Catholic or Lutheran kind of? Yep. <laughs> I'm curious, how many of you have actually heard of churches that are not Catholic, Lutheran, or Methodist doing catechism? Just like, well, my kids, because we taught it to them as kids, and then and Matt. So it's usually associated in our day with, with, um, with those kind of churches. But let's first talk about what it is. Um, and I've got a handout for you if you guys want to take notes and then also to remember. Here you go. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> what is a catechism? Um, Acts 18.25 uh, talks about Apollos, one of the, the disciples in the early church, having been, quote, instructed in the way of the Lord. And that word instructed means, is the Greek word katecheo. Does that sound a little bit like catechism to you guys? That's where it comes from. It simply means to instruct. And so really, actually, a catechism is simply just a collection of instructions, it's what we want to learn as Christians that the Bible teaches. But it's, it's set up in a way of question and answer format. And kids do really well with it because it's a lot of memory. Like they would teach them the question and they would memorize the answer. And lots of them. The, uh, the church is actually, and though we like think about it like Catholics and Methodists doing it, but you know, the church has actually been doing catechism for a long, long time. Um, as far back as we can re have recorded church history, they've been catechizing not just children, but adults. It's a way for us to get into our brains what we believe. And it's done in a simple way. That's like just the question and answer format. So the second question I want us to ask, just to think about before we actually jump into our first catechism question, is why learn this? Why learn catechism? Can someone look in their Bibles and read Matthew 28? Turn to Matthew 28. And I, if you kids have a Bible, I'd like you to do that and maybe have one of the children, the teens, read Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. We're going to be doing that often in Sunday school, is actually opening up our Bibles and reading it together at times. So first person to find it, go ahead and read verses 19 through 20. Great. Go ahead, Kathy. What did Jesus, that's right, the end, end of his time on earth, he's getting ready to leave. What did he tell his apostles to do right there? Did you hear it? Go and what? Make disciples. But we missed this last part. What's the verse, first part of verse 20? It says teaching them, right? Teaching them to observe all that he commanded. And that's one of the reasons why we want to learn catechism is because we need to learn all that God has taught us. 
And so um, turn over to Hebrews 10. This is another reason that I think is really drives me as a dad and um, a pastor to want us to learn this. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Someone want to read? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful. Okay. All right. So put on your thinking caps. When you hear the word hold fast... What do you think of? What kinds of things in life do you hold fast to? When would you be told to hold fast to something? Teens, kids. Yeah, but I'm thinking like real life. Like, yeah, like a real life thing, situation. When would you be told to hold fast? Tug of war, right? And you're holding on real tight. What else? Roller coaster, yeah. What's that? Did you, riding with Dwayne in the car, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's very helpful for my illustration here, actually. Water skiing, and that's actually depending on who's driving the boat. <laughs> okay, when you're thinking of those particular moments, why are you wanting to hold fast? You're in danger. You're scared, right? Right? And that's really what that Greek word behind that, hold fast pictures, is clinging on to something. And some of the translations say cling to. Like these, the hope of our confession. And when it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, that is like a way of saying the confession of our hope is, is the things that we believe, that the Bible teaches, that the apostles, when this was written, that the apostles have been teaching and handing down. Hold fast to those. Now, why would he say to hold fast to those things? Exactly. Now, has anything happened to you, even in the last year in this world, that's making you wonder what in the world is going on? Right? Right? Right, and even kids, has there, has there been things that, like, my my head is just spinning with all the things I hear, and I'm not sure what to believe. Right, that's what this is saying. Hold fast onto this, the teaching that God has given to you, because when those times come that it feels like the ground underneath you is moving, this is what to hold fast to. This is what to hold fast to. This is why we want to learn catechism because it's a systematic way to get it in our heads because we can hear teaching all the time. But if you start doing this thing called catechism where you're memorizing these answers, it's going to be in your brain. Now, there are people in this room that are probably like less than 15, and they're going to do really well at this <laughs> because when you're really little, actually, in elementary, you memorize so easy. God's made their brains to do that. As you get even into your teens, it's harder to do that, to memorize. But it's a lot easier for you guys to do that than it is for us as adults. And, and Dwayne's got no hope. No, that's, <laughs> that's not true, actually, right? 
<laughs> that, that's not true, though, honestly, unless there's some kind of physical issue going on. Even us, even as we get older, we can do it. We just have to work at it. So you can't, I think you, you can teach an old dog new tricks, exactly. So, all right, almost, we're still in the intro here real quick, but what catechism are we going to learn? So I, I said that the church has been doing this for a long time. How many know who Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther was? Got some, right? Okay, so if you are part of any church that is not Eastern Orthodox or Catholic or something somewhat kind of related, you are here because of a man named Martin Luther that God used. We call that Protestant. And back in church history, there's a whole lot of split there. Martin Luther, John Calvin, those guys wrote catechisms and taught them to their church. And three of the most famous ones is the first one's the Heidelberg Catechism. That's like from 1563. So this is like really old stuff. The Westminster Catechism and then Keech's Baptist Catechism, probably the three most famous ones. We are going to be using, learning something called the New City Catechism. Okay, And I actually have, uh, I'll talk about these in a second, but... The New City Catechism took the, those three that I listed and kind of reduced it from 120-ish questions to 52 questions, changed the language so that it's not these and thousands of Shakespearean language that's hard for us to understand, and then kind of simplified it a little bit. But it's essentially what we're wanting to learn here. Um, and how are we going to do this each week? So each week, we're going to work on one new question. We'll start off reviewing the ones that we've learned, okay? And I'll probably review, after we get up to about 10, I'll start kind of phasing out the old ones, and every once in a while, throw in one from way back and see how we do. But we'll learn one question per week. We're going to memorize it together. And every time we, we delve into a question, I'm just going to answer three questions. Okay, what does it mean? Right? So what does this question even mean? Where do we get this from in terms of, like, did we just make these up? Did these church historians just make this up? Or did, where did it come from in the Bible? So we'll look at a few Bible verses that say, where do they get this from? To show you that we're not just inventing things here. Okay? The other thing I like about this catechism is it's pretty broad in terms of different churches would, yes, I can agree to that too. So it's it's kind of... We, all the different denominations, if you've been to church at any point in your life, you know that there's like, you ask that question, why are there so many? It's usually like little fine differences of disagreement that have created those. This is fairly common that a lot of churches would just agree on these doctrines, which is essential for us to be able to, to know, right? You ever hear the term orthodox? We want to be orthodox. That means we want to have a right doctrine that is in line with God's word and in line with what the teaching of the church has been for 2,000 years. Okay? Okay, so I'm going to ask, what does it mean? Where do we get this from? And why does it matter? Three simple questions, and then we'll spend time just playing memorization games. So I'm probably usually only going to teach about 15 to 20 minutes. And then we'll, we'll work on memorizing it together. And then every month I'm going to teach us a new hymn. It'll either be old or new, but it'll be like a hymn that kind of, one of the things that I heard on a, a podcast the other day is, if you can sing the song in prison together, that's one that's going to help you. 
In other words, you don't need the guitars, you don't need all the instruments to help you sing it. Those are fun, those help us. But if it's a song that is gonna be in your brain, that's that's helpful for us. So um, I want us to add to that because there's a rich, there's new hymns that have been, been written and there's some really old ones that we can learn as well that are easy to get doctrine into our heads. And not doctrine for doctrine's sake. Okay, I want you to know that. Like, I want us to learn these things, not just so our heads get big. That isn't it at all. Why we need to learn this is so that we know our God, so that we have a rock. Like, this platform holds me up steady. I need something to cling to because the times are changing. Times are changing. And these truths you're going to find, especially this first question, like, oh, yes, I need to repeat that to myself every day. That's the kind of thing we're going to learn. Okay, just some tools on how to help you. There are two versions of what we're learning. Okay, I'm holding them up. Some of you are taking notes here. This one is what we're going to be learning as in this class. This one is each of the same sentences with a few less words. It's a children's version. So there's no shame in saying, okay, that's the one I'm going to memorize. <laughs> okay, and that's totally fine. Um. I have 10 of these. They're five bucks a piece. If you want to come buy them from me, that is great. Um, these are only $2 a piece. I can get more on Amazon. Right now they're out of stock. The other thing is, is this catechism has an app. And I put um, on in your handout a link to it. You, if you, For Android or Apple, they have this app that goes through the questions. And at the bottom of each question is a little icon you click on and it has commentary like a devotion you could read for the day or that week about that catechism question oh there we go if you can see pastor matt's got it it's really helpful really helpful and there's a little option where it will switch from the big people one to the little people one <laughs> or shouldn't say the little people one because some of us will want to do this one today's question i think you're going to find is going to be super easy so let's just jump in what is our first question Catechisms, it's always a question and then an answer. What is our only hope in life and death? Here's the answer. Let's read it all out loud together. That we are not our own, but belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, I mean, I, I don't know if I need to teach <laughs> what's there to teach, right? Just that truth in itself should be like, yes, I need to remember this. <laughs> I need to remember this. So what is our only hope in life and death? So first question I'm going to ask every week is what does that mean? What does that answer mean? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that are not spiritual, okay? So just hang with me here. Fill in the blank, okay? Fill in the blank with this question. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only Thank you. Help me, Obi. Oh, come on. Donnie's like, I don't know what that is. If you don't know what Star Wars are, is, there's the door. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is not the Church of Star Wars. I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> Although I probably do have a problem. <laughs> All right. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. Okay, now, where does this story come from? The rabbit's only hope was that Mr. McGregor would not find him in the watering can. 
Wesley? Peter Rabbit, right? Peter Rabbit's only hope was that Mr. McGregor would not find him in the watering can. How many of you remember why? What was he afraid of, Wesley? Being rabbit stew, right? <laughs> okay. All right. And what story is the children's only hope is Aslan? Chronicles of Narnia. Wesley is, knows he's in class. He's the one raising his hand. <laughs> the rest of us, it's okay to shout out in this class, all right? Thank you. Exactly. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So now in all three of those statements, I said their only hope, or Princess Leia said their only hope. One of the, the young people in the room, what does that mean that in those circumstances it was their only hope? Yeah, like what, is it, what did that mean that it was their only hope? Yeah, of survival, right? It's their one way out. It's their rescue. That's what this means. Like, what is your only rescue in life and death? Now, we have a problem in our culture. We don't think we need rescue, <laughs> right? So what do we need rescue from, though? Ourselves. What else? The penalty of sin, which is kind of hand-in-hand with ourselves, right? So that is what it means, is that they needed escape. They needed a rescue. So what are the kinds of things, and you don't have to think spiritual. I know we're in Sunday school, we're in church, but just think, what are the kinds of things that we think will give us some kind of rescue in this life? What, what things will you think give us a rescue? Doctors? <laughs> right? We're, those are trouble, tricky waters to navigate right here, but some people, they put their hope, though, in that vaccine, right? Vacation, right? Oh, I, I, I just need a vacation. Like, um, I have some friends that think that that's what they needed because all the troubles in their marriage, they just, I just maybe just need a time away, get a get a break. I'm like, oh man. I told them, I said, you know what? When you go on that vacation, what do you take with you? All that stuff. You take this heart of yours, right? So, okay. There are all kinds of things, like Wesley or Liam. What do you have your hope on that you're going to get for your birthday or Christmas this year? I think you just had a birthday, didn't you, already? Yeah, so let's think Christmas. You already have it in your mind? Wesley might. Wesley, what do you have in your mind already you want for Christmas? Oh, you have a birthday like a week before Christmas, too, so. But you, you don't have to really think of it, but you know what I mean, that feeling when you've got in your brain, you're thinking about that gift that you want because it's going to do what for you? Satisfy you. It's going to make you happy. Like if I get that thing, it's going to make me happy. In fact, I'm focused on Liam here. Did you guys go see Phil with him yet? No! This is a perfect illustration for me. <laughs> oh, he told me that, that Jeff was going to take Liam, and I don't know if it's the whole family, but he got him backstage passes to see Phil Wickham and, and meet him. He's a singer, worship leader kind of guy. 
I mean, you're you were pretty excited, right? He's got that. Oh man, I that there's some serious disappointment there in my heart if I would for you. But we put, we think about those things that are coming, and we think that's going to be my happiness, and and. Exactly. And, and it's not that that was a bad thing. That was a good thing. And there's a lot of times that that thing that we're looking forward to that is our hope at that point is a good thing, right? But ultimately, it can't be the ultimate. That's not going to give me long-lasting hope. That's the point of this question in life and in death. So we've been talking about hope in life. What does this mean when it comes to hope and death? And I think we've already said that. The penalty of sin, Aaron said, is death. We know that from Romans. For the wages of sin is death. We need a rescue. But this answer says where our hope is. So where does it say our hope is? It's in God. It's in God. God himself and specifically in the Godhead, Jesus, right? Jesus Christ. And I really love this first statement that I haven't brought out yet. We are not our own. We are not our own. So let me just, I want to look at just a couple of Bible verses and see where in the world do we get that from. We are not our own. So everybody go to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. I know we, a lot of people have that memorized, but go there anyway because I want you to see it, and then we'll look at verse 27. What's that? <laughs> His app doesn't go that far back. Okay, somebody read for me Genesis 1-1. Why don't we have one of the kids read it for us? Wesley, can you read it? Genesis 1 1. Okay. What existed at the beginning? Nothing except God. That's what that one of just one thing that that teaches us, at least. There's lots of things this little tiny verse teaches us, but one thing is there was nothing in the beginning except God. Then what happens, you know, in between all that and verse 27, there's a lot of things created. But look at verse 27. Someone read verse 27. Okay. So there's a lot there. I have like probably 15 books on one of my shelves at home that just talking about that idea, the, all the ideas that are in that verse right there. But I wanted to just get one idea that's in this little phrase here we have in this catechism. All right, how many of you make things, build things? Donnie's got his hand up, I hope. Todd does it all the time. 
Todd, you're an exception because somebody pays you to do it. But when you make things for yourself, right, when you make things for yourself, to whom does that belong? That creation. You, you, right? If you ever, I don't know if they're still on your Facebook, Jeff, but Jeff used to make these amazing creations out of wood, just unique wood. He'd make them for people that would pay for it, but I'm sure you have some interesting pieces of your own. That stuff is yours, right? Because you created it. You're the creator, and it's the creation. <laughs> this is true. Yes. And ultimately, is it anything that you make really ultimately yours anyway? Everything belongs to God. And Genesis 1.27 teaches you that you are not your own because you have a creator and you're the creature. He's the creator, you're the creature. In our world today, we are taught that you are your own. This is mine. I am, and there's a big fancy word I want you to learn. Autonomous. Autonomous. That is an idea that I am free in and of myself from all restrictions. I make my own destiny. And there's a famous poem about I'm the captain. That is all about the, the culture that we hear even on our TV shows, our YouTube channels, that we are our, I'm my own, I'm my own person. No, the Bible says you have been made. And if you've been made, then you are not your own, right? Okay, um, I'm going to skip Psalm 139. I think a lot of us know that one. That one is a wonderful passage that reminds us that, um, that we have been made by God. But I want us to jump to Romans 14. And you, those other Bible verses I put on there, this, look at those this week as you're trying to memorize this question and answer. Let's go to Romans 14. While you're turning there, the whole chapter of Romans 14, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to this church in the city of Rome. And in that church, they were having some arguments as a family. Christians in the same church were arguing about whether it was the right to eat something or not to eat something. And in our culture, in our churches... We have arguments, right? We have arguments, I'll go there, about whether we should do that vaccine or not, right? Okay, Paul, in this chapter in 14, is talking to a group of people who are arguing over whether it's right to eat meat or not. And they're getting pretty hung up on it because they have some really good reasons behind it, which even today in those arguments we get into, there's some really good reasons, right? Just know that as we read these verses, because this is what he says to them in the, as a family. So look at verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So that means what? 
we are not our own. That's what it means. <laughs> He's saying, even in, the, in light of the, these arguments that are happening in this chapter in that church, you have to remember you're not your own. You are God's. Therefore, honor God. He goes on in verse 9, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. And then he goes on to say, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the seat, judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I think if I had to only pick, and that's what this, this little catechism book, you'll see they picked this verse that we just read, that section of verses, as really the main, a real heart of explaining that, that, that answer, that question and answer. I think you can see that, right? It's showing you whether you're alive or you're dead. You belong to God. He has your soul, and that should be an encouraging thing to us, right? So I want us to go on and just ask the why does it matter question. So we've talked about what does it mean. I think we get that. We get the picture there. We've talked about where does it come from, where do we get that, and now why does it matter. And I want to give you just two reasons why it matters, and then I'll open it up to see what you guys think as well. And the, one of the reasons I would say that it matters is actually I'm going to form in a phrase of a question. Who owns you? God. And you need to answer, ask, tell yourself, remind yourself that every day. I have to remind myself. And, and kids, in your home, when there's fighting and squabbles, you need to remember, I am not my own. I am God's. And he wants me to honor him and love this other person in my family. Right? The prevailing idea in our culture today is that I'm an autonomous being. And that's why this matters, this question, is because we need, you're being told that in every way you look. I mean, everything you hear <laughs> tells you that, unless we're going to the right places to hear truth, right? Second reason why it matters is that, I'm going to ask him the phrase of question, where is your hope in life and death? I think we can, a lot of us, if we're here, we're going to say, well, in death, it's Jesus. Problem is, is what about that life right now, Right? about that life right now. Um, what is going on right now in Afghanistan? Chaos, right? It's an absolute mess. And there are brothers and sisters. Do you know the church in Afghanistan is one of the fastest growing churches in the world right now? Prior to this, over the last 20 years, there has been more growth in the church in Afghanistan than in a lot of the areas of the world. China's right up there with it, but Afghanistan has really high rate of growth because you went from basically nothing to a lot of growth because there was a little more freedoms. And those people really are being tested by this right now. Where is my hope in life and death? Some people, we were hearing this Wednesday night, that some people a few years ago, they came out with a new driver's license system there and they had the opportunity to put their professed religion on their, on their driver's license. And many people put Christian on their Afghanistanian driver's license. And now the people in control have access to that database. And they've already been sending messages to them. We know you. We know where you are. And we know where you live.
Yeah. It, they have to put their hope in the Lord because the thing that they many people thought would give them hope, you know, the, the saviors of this world, <laughs> we're, we're not. I mean, we try and, and we fail and then we're an obvious. This is a good example why we need to be ready to answer and your faith will be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. Who knows how long it will be before we uh, are like this. Pulls it all together. Amen. Amen. Any other ideas, like answering this question, why does this question and answer matter, that I know this and believe it, that you would add to that? And this is just kind of open-ended, Matt. Autonomy. Throw away the moral compass. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing. Alicia. Yeah, absolutely. You have to actually tell yourself those truths. Good. Okay. Let's take a few minutes to memorize this. Now, how many of you remember in, in school, or maybe you've done this if you went to like a vacation Bible school, and you're going to memorize a Bible verse. They write the whole thing on the chalkboard, and you say it a few times, and then they start erasing words, right? We're going to do that here, and you'll see what I mean. Donnie's got like, what are you talking about here? I, I would love to have an app where you could say, I could take from the congregation, okay, you guys take take out this word or take out that word, but I don't have that kind of app, so I've already pre-planned which words we're going to take out. So let's say the question together, the question and answer. So we'll say it together. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Say it again. What is our only hope in life and death? 
that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. And you're like, are we going to repeat this? Yes. <laughs> I wish I had music. Like, we, we had, like, songs from helping our kids memorize stuff. And All right, here we go. Can we do this without these words? This is what I mean by I, I removed certain words. Let's just work on the answer because I think we'll, we already know the question. That we are not our own but belong body and soul both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That we are not our own but belong body and soul. Okay, let's try another one. Here we go. That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think we can do more? I think you can. Okay. That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. More? Ooh, here we go. That we are not our own, but belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're almost, well, that seems like, that's all I took out of that one? Come on, we can do another one. There we go. There we go. <laughs> You know, honestly, I only took out one word. It looks just looks more. That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, one more time. That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Last time, and then I'm going to just teach you real quick this new song, and we'll be dismissed this morning. Oh, there it is. I didn't, uh, there we go. Who thinks they can do that on their own? Wesley, go for it. You missed one word. Good job. You remember, do you know which word you missed? Do you find it right in the middle? Both. Both in life and death. Good job. Who else wants to try it? I, I need to have prizes next week, right? Throw out treats from the back. <laughs> All right. Let me, I just, I have, it's 10.15. Normally we'll be able to get out about 10.10, 10.15. Um, so I'm not going to actually sing the song today. I just want to show you the words to this. And I will send out a link so you can listen to it on your own this week so you can sing it with us next week. Um, this song was written just last year. Um, and it ties exactly with this. I think they got it from this catechism. And the whole question song is written almost in a question and answer format and then has a response. So the chorus is a response, which is my point about why we're learning catechism. Because these questions and answers should not just make us like smart people that can spout off doctrines. These questions and answers should produce a response that sings hallelujah. 
So what is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to him belong? Who holds our days within his hand? What comes, I don't know why there's a comma right there, but it should be what comes apart from his command. Oh, what comes apart from his command? There we go. And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Then the chorus, oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope and life and death. And the second verse, what truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good. God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known in our great Redeemer's blood? Who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh? That's nigh, not night. Unto the shore, the rock of Christ, Christ alone. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Unto the grave, what will we sing? Christ, he lives, Christ, he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. And there we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. And then it sings, Hallelujah. Oh, hope, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Our kids learned that at, at the school they go to last year for the choir. And it was one of the favorites of uh, a family of our, a friend of ours, the, the Eplings, who lost her son in uh, uh, that accident this year. And they at his funeral, they sang it. It was interesting to me because hearing the high school choir, I don't know if you, Jeff and Todd remember this, but it was like blah, blah, blah when we would sing. I heard them sing this, this same song during the spring concert, and it was nice. But then at his funeral, wow, the same group of kids, like, oh, I get it. <laughs> because they see this matters, this matters. So let's pray and then we can be dismissed. God, thank you so much that you are our hope in life and death, that you hold us both body and soul because of the work that Jesus has done for us. In his name we pray and give you all the praise. Amen.